You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Frankie are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. And welcome back, Star Wars fans, to the Rebels Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Star Wars Rebels animated series. This is episode 14 for season three. We're recapping the Star Wars Rebels episode entitled Legacy of Mandalore. If you happen to be checking us out for the first time, I am your co-host, Matt the Crankster Cranky. And let me welcome in your creator and host of the Rebels Podcast and the creator of the Thunder Quack Podcast Network. That's my friend from Canada, Mike. Come on, what's up, Mike? Hey, hey, uh, we're back. It's been a bit of a break. Um, we just kind of we had like two yes. episodes, and then the and then the uh, the break here. So uh, uh, two or three, maybe. Yeah, odd um, break too. <clears throat> Considering yeah. the this this episode we're going to talk about, kind of a one of those where you're like, man, that's an odd break to go right in between totally. basically a two parter, you know? Yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's uh, we'll we'll get into it in a few minutes here. Um, but I guess we got some news to to go over real quick. Mike, you want to do that? Yeah, let's jump in the news. All right. Always on the move. Force is strong. Now here's the latest from a galaxy far, far away. Right away, sir. All right, so starting us off in news today, we got some Rebels news. We got some final uh, episode titles, Mike, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess um, since they've been out, I don't know if this is actually uh, legitimate, not legitimate, but like from Star Wars or not. I, I, don't, I don't know if it was or not, but any in any event, I mean, we got some titles, like I said, Secret yeah. Cargo's coming up fairly soon, Double Agent Droid, Twin Sons, which is... Uh, the one with Obi Wan, of course, and then yep. we final uh, we finish the uh, season with the uh, normal one hour zero hour part one and two, which um, kind of makes sense now. You know, it's like I think a lot of people, maybe even including myself, were for a few for a little while thought that the Obi Wan thing was going to be how they're going to close out the season, but mm. no, man. I think I know you mentioned it. We talked about it before, where it looks like we're counting down to like this huge battle on Lothal. And that's exactly what's going to happen. It looks like we're going to get some kind of a major event happening on Lothal. Lothal. Yeah. So uh, I guess not necessarily a big surprise there. But, man, I'm looking forward to Twin Sons, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like we got a couple of 
um, episodes with droids and stuff like that, just to kind of get us to those last three. But uh, I don't know. Any, any thoughts on these? Any anything surprise you at all about these titles, Mike? Um, no. I mean, I think the most interesting thing here is that um, coming out of out of Rogue One and uh, and and obviously just just reading into the opening crawl from A New Hope. Um, there's no way that our heroes can succeed in this in this assault on Lothal. So mm. it's kind of it's already like basically prophesied that they're gonna fail because if you go back, um, the 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 opening crawl to to Star Wars notes that that what we now know as the uh, as as the the battle on Scarif is the first decisive victory for the rebellion um now i mean Mm -hmm. like they might try some certain point of view nonsense on us and be like well this isn't technically the rebellion it's a rebel cell or something like that but i don't see i don't see how how they can explain away like a major victory like like the liberation of a planet um without you know conflicting exactly what they've said in in rogue one so I anticipate that um, that what we'll actually see is is a failure on the part of the the uh, the Phoenix Squadron and and the Lothal Rebels um, mm. that they're not going to accomplish what they're setting out to do here. So um, and and obviously, I mean, when you read these descriptions, you can kind of get that sense, anyways. Um, well, you know what's funny? You you talk about the uh, you know it could be like you said. As far as oh, they're talking about the Phoenix Squadron that yeah. takes out, you know what I mean? Not necessarily all of the Rebel Alliance, like you said, semantics there. But 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 you're right. This is a huge. Let's not forget. This is a huge planet that had not huge. I meant as far as what the Empire has invested. I mean, this thing is pumping out all these um, this artillery and and weapons and 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 spacecraft. So this is not a small uh, project by any means, Mike. So um, yeah, go ahead, no. Go um yeah no no that's uh yeah i i i agree right like this is this is uh this would be a very big deal if they did manage to liberate the planet i just don't see how they could do it um and with the way that tonight or well this this week's episode ended right very interested to see exactly what's going to happen to some of our other characters as we as we move on because um I didn't. I didn't quite expect the ending that we got. So um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> From an episode that was kind of predictable, uh, it really yeah. it got me at the end. So yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Well, I, I, well, let's get grab the next piece of news, which is Force Friday, right? Yeah. So they, they, they announced uh, last week that Force Friday is going to be September first. They're actually. It's really weird. They're referring to it as Force Friday two. When uh, didn't they do an official Force Friday thing for Rogue yeah, One? Just, yeah, it should be the third one. Yeah. yeah, so really this should be the third one, but I guess they're considering it because it's the second movie in the sequel trilogy. It's Force Friday too. Um, but the most oh, important yeah. part of that is yeah. that is that along with that announcement was a reveal of some package art, um, yeah. and that package yeah. art reveals some uh, some new some new uh, character art. Uh, some new key art for uh, 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 Finn, Poe, and Ray. Uh, Poe mm. obviously not looking that different because he's just in his flight suit. 
Um, so he basically looks the same as he did in episode seven in, <laughs> yeah. in the in the Force Awakens. Um, but uh, Finn appears to be wearing a a he's got Poe's jacket still. But, yeah, it's uh, like a resistance jacket. Yeah. Yeah, but his but his uh, his shirt underneath. Some people I, I read on a one website like oh it looks very Jedi esque and I'm like well clearly you're not paying any attention it's Han Solo's shirt from <laughs> from the Force Awakens it's the same style shirt right I'm not right. saying it's yeah. actually Han Solo's shirt but uh, right. who knows maybe it is because they've got the Millennium Falcon and maybe Han put some of his clothes on the Millennium Falcon at some point. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. Lando did it. Lando did it. Yeah. So I, I no, but it is very clearly inspired from that. Um, and then Ray appears to be in, um, an outfit that's actually somewhat similar is more similar to her outfit from the force awakens than it is Mm -hmm. to her outfit from the end of the movie from, from, from uh, the resistance Ray as people have dubbed it. Um, So it's very interesting to see like, is, will she make a return back to that outfit or, or is this, um, is this a new outfit that's, that's slightly inspired by that one or, you know, sort of what's the, what's the situation there? Um, cause I quite like her outfit from the end of the movie, but, um, and we know that she'll start the movie in that outfit, but, but who knows, maybe, maybe she'll make a switch back. I can't imagine them putting her back in the same outfit that she wore in the first one. Um, it seems like a real missed opportunity for action figures. Mm. Um, but the big, one of the biggest things that people are noting is that she's got a hair change. Uh, uh, she's wearing her hair down in this image. So, and she's got the lightsaber front and center. So yeah. that's, that's another interesting right. piece to it. But I think, I, I think if you look really close, it looks like there could almost be a hood coming off the back of it. So maybe it is a completely new outfit and it's, it's just inspired by her her previous outfit, but it's much more Jedi like. But but we'll see, we'll see. I think I don't think we have that much longer to wait. Um, people saw key art at Toy Fair, which was this past weekend. Um, mm-hmm. uh, actually, and and uh, I, speaking of Toy Fair, I'll just I'm just gonna add a piece of news in here that's not on our that's not on our yeah. rundown. But yeah. um, in fact. It's a piece of news that we broke on our website, uh, so you're welcome for that. Um, and my assumption is that the reason why I was able to break this news is because, A, it's still not confirmed, so you got to consider it a rumor until such time as it is confirmed. Uh, and B, nobody cares. Um, we are amongst like the 1% of the Star Wars uh, fandom that actually cares, but... Lego sets at Toy Fair this past weekend have all but confirmed a season two of Lego <laughs> Star Wars, the free maker adventures. So um, that's good news for us because hopefully that means that, that a season is coming this summer and, uh, and we will have something to talk to you guys about over the summer. But uh, I, I went on Twitter uh, as soon as I saw these new sets um, which depict uh, the the Freemakers themselves, the the three Freemaker siblings, in completely new outfits, um, as well as one set appears to to have uh, what might be an Inquisitor in it, um, and and Corey makes an appearance in one of the sets. Corey making his 
debut in the season two episode of Star Wars Rebels Wings of the Master. So uh, a Mm -hmm. Star Wars Rebels character coming to the Freemaker adventures, hopefully. Um, But I went on Twitter and I tweeted at the the show creators, uh, Bob Roth and uh, Bill Motts. And Mm -hmm. uh, and I got a response back from I think it was Bill Motts that was uh, nothing official announced. But um, but that's as good as them saying, like, yeah, it's coming. (laughs) It was Um, it was cool to get a to get a tweet from those guys. They're kind of been supporting us. Yeah, they've uh, been awesome. They've been really cool uh, as we've been supporting Freemaker Adventures. They've been really big supporters of the Rebels podcast. Um, So it's really cool. It's really cool to get that uh, that feedback, that direct feedback from the creators of the show, um, and and hopefully we'll be able to continue that through a second season of Freemaker Adventures. Uh, which for those like if you skipped Freemaker Adventures over the summer, go back, watch the show, listen to our episodes. Uh, that it, the show was great. It was fantastic. Matt and I were we did it as kind of like a yeah, well this is something to do. We'll probably mostly talk about Rogue One news and then briefly go over these episodes um Mm -hmm. and what ended up happening was uh the show ended up being great uh really really funny really really uh actually in some cases very adult humor not necessarily in the sense of like you know uh r-rated humor but in the sense that like 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 making uh uh you know uh groucho marx references that (laughs) would be completely lost on kids but that we got um that, that older folks would get um, was really like the sort of surprise in that show. So um, if you kind of bypassed it, I suggest going back, checking it out um, and giving it a chance. It's only a few episodes. It's not a very long season. I think it ended up being what? 13 episodes. 13. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and the 13 half hour episodes. And, and I think they're great. I think it's, I think it's one of the best things that star Wars has produced in the last year. Um, I, I thought I just was so enamored with it. Um, and I'm really excited to see that, that, that we are more than likely getting a second season. Um, obviously, like I said, we have to treat it as a rumor until it's officially confirmed, but this is a pretty solid bet, um, uh, that, that the show will be coming back. So, so look forward to that. Uh, I definitely am looking forward to it. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good show. Cool. And then there's like, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just say definitely caught us off guard, uh, yeah. at least me, because uh, I was just like, oh, but it, it is in the same vein as like, I mean, we just had what Lego Batman kind of came out and yeah, uh, same type of thing. You know, so it's got that adult stuff for for adults that are taking their kids to this movie. So same thing with the TV show. It was really good. Yeah. Um, sure. And then as far as the uh, the image. Yeah, I was that was the main thing. Like I said, Force Friday is a long ways away, but we got these images, which was. It's really like he's really hard to pick out anything. I mean, it's especially on on Ray. It's of course the, the hair is different, but you know what is she wearing? It's hard to tell. Uh, you know, it's it's obviously a little different, but I don't know. It's kind of cool to look at something. You know, it's just got us more uh, uh, anxious for that that dang trailer that we're probably not going to get until uh, celebration. But that's cool. You know, that's yeah, yeah. We're, I can't wait we're, for that. We got it. We got uh, about a month. And I had yeah. two months, about two months to go. So we're, yeah. we are getting there. Like we're, we're in the home stretch um, yeah. and we'll get a trailer at Star Wars Celebration for sure if we don't get something sooner fun. than that. But yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I guess the last thing, uh, there's a new novel coming out for all you book guys uh, and gals out there. Uh, Christy Golden's coming out July 25th with the Inferno Squad and yet another 
story um, in the in the Rogue One Star Wars area, which mm-hmm. you know it's it's a different thing. It's, it's like it sounds like it's going to be about um, some of the the Empire's. Uh, this is like the Empire's Inferno Squad. So it's going to be told, I guess, from not necessarily from a hero's point of view, I guess, but maybe mm. that side. Um, I guess which is different, but for me, uh, it doesn't sound like it's going to be anything that I am going to be rushing out to uh, to read and to buy. Um, I really, it's really hard for me to read it. I have to either do it with audio or I, I try to read some stuff. And if it doesn't grab me within, you know, at least half the book, sometimes I tend to fall off. This happened to yeah. me with Kenobi. It happened with with Catalyst. Uh, I got halfway through. I mean, I get I get pretty far, and it's just just not enough there for me to to keep going. So. Um, I don't know if, if all you the book lovers out there. I'm sure they're kind of. Like, I guess this Christy Golden. She's done a couple of things before, I believe, and and um, I've heard good things about her writing. So you know, you never know. You just gotta wait and see what happens. See what see what people uh, that get it that first week see what they think about it, and then I kind of go from there. So. Uh, any interest in that, Mike, at all? No, none whatsoever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, but, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I put yeah, that going. but um, you know, I. I was recently asked a question about the the Rogue One Blu-ray, and uh, and I was kind of like, yeah, uh, I don't know when it comes out, and to be honest, I don't really care that much. I mean, like we know oh, he doesn't care about Rogue One. Stop we, it. We know <laughs> that. Well, just saying that, like we know that that um, Disney and Netflix have this deal with the Star Wars movies, um, and for you guys, Rogue One will be the first one that that gets. Um, I think like the full treatment because because the Force Awakens, I think there was a company in the states that had streaming rights to it, so it was like locked down for you guys for a while. I think you have it now on Netflix, right? Are you talking about Force Awakens? No, it's not on Netflix. It's still not. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, no, I think I think it'll probably start with Rogue One, but it the Force Awakens came to Netflix in Canada. I think about oh, wow. two or three Good. months after really? the Blu-ray came out. Yeah. So, um, so I'm just not going to worry about it. I, I don't, I don't like, I'll, I'll watch it on Netflix when it comes to Netflix. That's the next time I'll watch it again. Um, if only because like, I don't get me wrong when the 3d Blu-ray comes out, I will buy the collector's edition 3d Blu-ray just like I did with the force awakens, but I'm not going to spend money on a Blu-ray for, for rogue one right now. Because uh, I think it, it probably I would imagine it comes out in March or April, right? Because April I think it's looking like uh, it's looking like beginning of April, and yeah. they're probably going to do a like they did with Force Awakens. They're going to do a digital version, which I will probably do again. I'll do the digital, and like you said, wait for that 3D Blu-ray yeah. to come out. I still want to see all the extras, and and I'll probably you know yeah you know what it was all up on YouTube somebody. the same day, and actually that's true. As a yeah. matter of fact, a lot of it was on YouTube the, a couple of days before the Blu-ray even came out. So right, um, right. yeah, so I'm not that worried about that stuff. I will eventually pay for it, so I don't feel bad about watching the YouTube stuff. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. But uh, but but I'm just like Rogue One just didn't grab me. I can't imagine a spin-off novel that doesn't even have the benefit of some of the characters from Rogue One that I liked. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like that's gonna be like that's a hard no for me. It's like I I, I don't want to read a story about stormtroopers. Sorry, it's just not <laughs> interesting to me. You're you're talking about uh, the Force Awakens. It actually did come out fairly quickly. On a on a network called Stars here in the states, yes, it's kind of like an HBO. That's right. Yeah. That's that's why like Stars had the streaming rights, 
Um, right. And that's why it couldn't come out on Netflix for you guys because they had already sold those rights. But mm-hmm. um, but I think subsequent Star Wars movies will be on Netflix for you guys. Yeah, but we don't have great. stars in Canada, so we didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. Oh, well. And, and actually, Netflix has, of course, The Clone Wars on there, and it's actually leaving uh, fairly soon. So yeah. all seasons are going to be gone. Uh, very odd. Soon. It's very yeah. odd because uh, with one on the one hand, you know, there's this deal with the movies. And then on the other hand, it seems like they're getting rid of Clone Wars. But I, I, I don't know why they would do that. Yeah, I don't know why you do seri- like a series with that many episodes. I mean, I, I understand they recycle movies. Um here and there all the time but yeah a series like that you know it's, it's kind of weird that they would do something like that so because i don't know that they've ever dropped I, I think you can get like cheers on there and friends and, and stuff yeah. like that so it's kind of weird that they I, drop the, that, but. the only thing i can imagine is that disney is getting ready to do their own streaming service uh mm. that will have star yeah. wars content all on that it. yeah so other than that um i think i was going to say i wanted to get your your uh, thoughts on, and we'll give our thoughts on what's going on with, you know, Dave Filoni's been in the news talking about, I mean, every single, there's been tons of reports about, you know, where, where are we going with this series? I mean, are we going to be yeah. done? And, and we'll talk about that maybe some uh, at the very end here when we get to the end. But um, I guess with that, you want to just jump into this uh, recap? Yeah, let's do it. All right. You're in the wrong place. This is our rebellion. And it's exactly this moment I've been waiting for. Now it's time for the Rebels Recap. Welcome home. Rebels! Yeah! All right, here we go with Legacy of Mandalore. As the Phantom II descends into the planet's Kronos atmosphere, a wary Sabine Wren says, Welcome home, prompting Ezra Bridger to ask if it's going to be that bad. Sabine tells him that uh, she has not been back to Kronos since a way since running away from the Imperial Academy on Mandalore. Ezra is optimistic that things might have changed, but Sabine tells him that he does not know her family. Fenrod disagrees and says that Sabine's mother is the leader of Clan Wren and is a truly loyal to Mandalore. He believes that if she can convince her mother to follow her, all of Mandalore will follow her and the Darksaber. Sabine then sends her transmission to, to a Mando, uh, in Mandova to warn her family of her coming so that they don't shoot her down. A male voice speaks on the intercom before Sabine tells the crew that the Mandalorians are jamming their signals. Outside, Chopper beeps as a flying column of Imperial Super Commandos approaches the Phantom II. The Super Commandos fire rockets from their jetpacks, and the Phantom II barely manages to dodge them. When Ezra asks if Sabine told them who they were, Sabine responds that it's probably why they are shooting at them. One of the Commandos disables the ship's main thrusters before leaving, the alien Phantom II flies low through a snowy forest before Sabine manages to land the craft in the snow. So, Mike, like we said, Kanan, Ezra, Sabine, Fen Rob are traveling to Kronos to confront Sabine's mother. Uh, we find out her name is Ursa Wren. So we're coming off one of the, I guess, a lot of people say one of the mm-hmm. best episodes of Rebels in Trials of the Darksaber, uh, where Sabine, she ultimately... Uh, decides to accept the responsibility of, you know, possibly leading the Mandalorians uh, with a darksaber. So um, here she is. Uh, she's starting her journey to, to Cronus here. And right right as she enters, they're trying to, 
to me, they're trying. She's a, they're, she's getting attacked. They're trying to kill her. Yeah. So I mean, talk about family in this episode, and and the Mandalorian culture, and it's just so it's so there's just so much to it. But with her, there's just a cut cut and dry. It's just she's she's gone. You know, let's let's go ahead and kill her. So I was a little shocked at that. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of funny. You know, Ezra says here, what? Uh, wait. Uh, they shot. Oh, this is a little farther. I wait to say that, but um, you know, I, like I said, like I said, this Mandalorian stuff is so. Sometimes it can be really complex, and you really got to pay attention to what's going on because this episode, with all the political stuff going, and some of this action, good episode. But man, it's you really got to pay attention, Mike. Uh, what would you? Your thoughts on the beginning here? Well, you know, I, I would say like, yeah, I agree with you to a certain extent. Uh, to another extent, like I would say that the Mandalorian stuff just seems so arbitrary to me. Like, um, Mm. in the Clone Wars, we're told one thing about the Mandalorians. And obviously in the Expanded Universe, we learned another thing about the Mandalorians. And then early on in Rebels, we learned this other thing about the Mandalorians. And then in this episode, we're going to learn a little bit more about the Mandalorians. And all we're learning about the Mandalorians is that they're super inconsistent, right? right? And... Um, in Star Wars, that's very odd because there tends to be quite a bit of consistency amongst cultures um, uh, mm-hmm. when we deal with some of this stuff. I, the, I don't know. It it feels to me like it's very very low level politics talked in a very convoluted manner mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, and and there's there's a lot of sort of um not rehashing but just sort of like just sort of like talking about the same point over and over and over and over again and i don't feel like anybody really learns anything or changes except in the moment where like okay now we know that they changed you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's not gradual like with with sabine's mother it's like it's kind of it's kind of all one thing until all of a sudden it's all another thing. So it's, it's very extreme. And well, to me, was, like, that's not very, yeah. that's not very good politics because there's no subtlety to it. And it's not very realistic, but yeah. Well, I was mentioning like as far as the society, the society of Mandalorian, uh, it's, it's complex. It's, you know, it's got all these clans, it's got all these houses, Yeah. but I, but like you said, in the long run, all it is is Gar Saxon, has the favor of the emperor and he controls everything right now. Um, so yeah, just to break it down to that, that's basically what it is. Gar Saxon is in charge right now. And, and like I said, he's got the, you know, he's the hand of the emperor as they say in this episode. So he's the one behind everything. It's all these other clans are just kind of surviving right now. It seems like until, uh, until something else happens. And and here we go right here with, with, uh, Sabine coming in with the dark saber confronting her mother and we'll see where we go from here. So um, you want to continue, Mike? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Sabine, Ezra, and Kanan wait outside the Phantom Two as several super commandos from Clan Ren arrive to confront the intruders. When Ezra draws his green lightsaber, one of the warriors recognizes him as a Jedi and fires at him. Kanan and Sabine use their lightsaber and, and small portable shield, respectively, to deflect the Mandalorian blaster bolts, knocking the warriors to the ground. The leading super commando recognizes Sabine's voice and orders the Mandalorians to cease fire. After taking off their helmets, Sabine recognizes the man as her older brother, Tristan Wren, who remarks that she has changed her hair. 
Sabine tells Tristan that the Jedi are her friends, and he agrees to take her to the Clan Wren stronghold. Sabine and the others walk through the snow. During the journey, Sabine asks Tristan how he could wear the armor of the Imperial Super Commandos. He responds that she shouldn't have come back. After arriving at the stronghold, Sabine and the others wait below the stairs as Sabine's mother, Ursa Wren, inspects the visitors and orders Sabine to be jailed. Sabine tells her mother they need to talk and unsheathes the Darksaber. Ursa is amazed to see the weapon, and Sabine introduces Kanan and Ezra to her mother, the reigning Countess of Serene. After Ezra stumbles for words, Ursa tells her strange daughter that she is not welcome. Sabine responds that she has joined the Rebellion. Ursa agrees to tolerate the Jedi presence at their ancestral home if they surrender their weapons. Sabine thinks that the situation went better than expected, but Ezra and, and Kanan are reluctant to part with their lightsabers. So, okay, we get introduced to Ursa, and yeah. um, she's not exactly impressed, which was kind of su- a little surprise to me with with her um, her with Sabine having the dark saber, which is kind of interesting. Like, she didn't really like. Okay, you have it. You know, it's it's. I guess it's a symbol. So. She, I just kind of was interesting that that Ursa didn't really have much to say about her having the dark side. Like, okay, whatever. But a couple of funny things. First off, um, Ezra, he says uh, that w- during the exchange of gunfire, he says, "Wait, um, what? They shot first, Sabine." So kind of a callback to the shot first thing. I, was, I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of funny. I don't know if that was intended or not. I'm, I'm assuming it was. Yeah. And most of the time they do that. Uh, and then we get introduced to Tristan's brother, which I guess we were supposed to get possibly a sister. It was supposed to be like a, a twin sister. I saw this just today. I was reading about it. Uh, they decided to to not go that route and to introduce a brother instead, which is fine with, with me. Um, but another thing that jumped out to me, too, in this episode was just the look of this episode. Mm-hmm. Again, another, another great – just the way this thing um, – just the way it looked, just the, this planet and some of the, the wide shots we get of, of the stronghold. And it just it looked like a matte painting. Sometimes we used to see those matte paintings a lot in the old Star Wars stuff. Yeah. But man, this thing looked really fast. It just looked fantastic. Just the way they uh, animated this thing and just like the slow pacing of it. They kind of let things, you know, there would be a couple seconds of just nothing. You just hearing them walk in the snow and, and stuff like that. So it was just I, it was just different like that. And I kind of, I kind of like that thing too. So, um, my thoughts on, I guess, Sabine confronting her mother, um, mm-hmm. our mother's telling her, Hey, you know, like I said, she wasn't that amazed <laughs> about the dark saber, but, uh, any thoughts on this particular, uh, portion here? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, it, this kind of begins the whole thing of like, like, uh, Ursa is on one side, for the majority yeah. of this episode until she flips suddenly at the end of it. Um, and, and it's, you know, the, it's a little inconsistent, but yeah. Um, well, I, like I it, said earlier, a, a very predictable episode. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I don't like design wise. I think it's a beautiful episode story wise. Yeah. I think it's a little bit, eh. um, especially coming off of the previous episode, which was so great. Um, yeah. it was sort of like that last episode was a build and then this payoff for me was not worth it. But, um, yeah. And there, there's a moment yeah. coming up that, that, um, that 
that I found really annoying. But um, <laughs> okay, we'll get there. Yeah, go, <laughs> go ahead. You can go ahead. Well, I was just to say last thing too about this. Yeah. We talk about the Wrens here, and we find out that um, they're obviously a well-known name in the Mandalorian culture. And it's interesting that to note that the father, uh, Sabine's father, actually took the name Rand. So it's not it's not his name. So uh, it's actually Ursa's name that he took. So I thought that's kind of interesting. You don't see that too often. So um, just that shows the power of the, the Rand name in the Mandalorian culture. Yeah. So I'll continue. Uh, inside the Clan Rand stronghold, Ursa tells Sabine that their rebel friends will bring the Empire down upon her family. Uh, and scoffs that the Darksaber is merely a symbol. Sabine counters that the Darksaber unified all of Mandalore in the past and urges them to stand together. Ursa interjects that Sabine's defection has made it hard for her to stop the other clans from destroying Clan Wren, and other clans now regard Sabine as a traitor and tells her that Tristan now serves Gar Saxon in order to prove their loyalty and gain some stature. When Sabine objects that Saxon is a killer, Tristan points out that Saxon is the Emperor's hand. Sabine counters that Saxon's super commandos wiped out the protectors. In response, Tristan reminds her that the protectors were executed for treason and vows to execute Fenral, their former leader. Sabine argues that the protectors were loyal to Mandalore and that the other clans betrayed them. Ursula tells Sabine that she wants to preserve her clan. A symbol that's united all Mandalorians in the past. Look, if we stand together now... Stand together? Sabine, it's everything I can do to keep the other clans from destroying us because of what you did. I didn't know the Empire would use the weapon I designed against our people. But you don't believe me, do you? Even if I did, it wouldn't change all the other ruling houses from seeing you as a traitor. Your own brother now serves Gar Saxon to prove our loyalty and regain some small amount of status. Gar Saxon is a killer. He's the Emperor's hand, the acting ruler and governor of Mandalore. And his men wiped out the protectors. The protectors were executed for treason, just as Fenral will be when he is found. They were loyal to Mandalore and Saxon betrayed them. Enough! Fenrau's people are dead, and mine are not. And I intend to keep them that way. All of them. Except for me. So, Mike, as you can tell, uh, obviously Ursa is kind of in the dark on this. And mm -hmm. obviously Sabine and the, and the Rebel crew know what the real story is. And she's been hiding out here. She doesn't really know what's going on. And, and it's unfortunate because she kind of leads her down the wrong path here. But here's the thing I want to ask you. I, I don't know if I missed something over this season or the past couple seasons. But in that clip, you hear Sabine say, I didn't know the Empire would use the weapon I designed against our people. And um, I'm at a loss. To, I'm trying to think back. Like, what is it? Something smaller? What the heck is she talking about? Or do we know yet? We, I don't think that we've ever gotten specifics. Last episode, we got a little bit of that, but like, yeah, no, I, we haven't. I don't think that we've ever really gotten specifics. I think we're supposed to draw a parallel between the the story of the Death Star, not That's to say that thinking. it's connected to yeah. the Death Star, but just that it's very similar. That like that Galen Erso is not the only one, right? That there are others yeah. who who have been used by the Empire in the same way. Yeah, I just I I saw that and I I didn't get a chance to like research it, but yeah. I'm thinking, man, what the heck? Because obviously it was something of 
of some kind of weight to it because it says, you know, like she says, that the Empire used it against the Mandalorian people. So mm-hmm. um, not sure exactly what it is. Maybe we'll get it in some kind of uh, backstory or, or coming up or we're just supposed to um, – I guess I guess we're just kind of a wait and see because mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, I wasn't I wasn't sure what was going on here too. But also, um, I, I mentioned it earlier too that Tristan, you know, obviously, it, it, Clan Ren is obviously a well-known name. We've talked about that. So Tristan has to kind of make a name, make the, you know, kind of bring the name back to to prominence, I guess. And the only way to do that is to align himself with Gar Saxon, even though he's part of the Empire now. Uh, he feels that that's going to be the way to get Clan Ren back to yeah. uh, its, its stature it had before. So obviously he's he's with Gar now, and part of the uh, uh, what they call them, the Shadow uh, Shadow Warriors. So, uh, but yeah. Also, again, the main thing here is just Ursa is just they're just out of the loop here. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Obviously, obviously, Gar Saxon is keeping them in the dark. You know, he's got his his foot on them, and and they just know know yet. So of course they will find out really quicker. Mike, we got a big one here you want to take this one yeah sure uh, <laughs> all right here we go <laughs> i just uh, split that one up. <laughs> sorry we're just right after the audio clip right yeah okay yeah. on the balcony sabine asks her mother how she could align clan ren with the empire after all the things the empire has done ursa responds that she did try to rein in the empire's behavior but found there was little they could do since mandalore was on its knees after saxon took over Saxon gave Clan Ren the choice of siding with him or facing destruction. Ursa also mentions that Sabine Ren's father is a captive in everything but name on Mandalore. Sabine asks her mother why she didn't try to find her. She responds that she was trying to save her and adds that returning with the Darksaber has put her in more danger. When Ursa asks how Sabine obtained the Darksaber, Sabine responds that she obtained it from Maul without a duel. Ursa thinks that Sabine is not the rightful owner because she did not seize uh, seize it from Maul after a duel. When Sabine says that Kanan taught her how to use the Darksaber, Ursa chastises her daughter for her selfishness. Sabine responds that her mother placed politics and power over her own family. Ursa counters that she did everything for her family, but Sabine tells her that it was it was about control. Uh, Ursa tells Sabine she takes that she takes after her father, who was a warrior. She thinks that Sabine did not turn out the way that she had hoped, but but Sabine responds that she is still her daughter. She then turns her mo- <clears throat> sorry. She then tells her mother that the rebels are planning to strike their first major blow against the Empire to show that they can be defeated. Ursa asks if the rebels are more than one Jedi and a child. Um. Sabine adds that the rebels are growing stronger every day and stresses that she is loyal to Mandalore. She tells her mother that Mandalore needs a strong leader and asks her to trust her like I trust you. Uh, Tristan then arrives to tell their mother that she is being summoned by Gar Saxon. So is this the point you were talking about where you had a major issue? Or is it coming up? No, it's coming up in a second. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So... Here's Ursa. She's saying, hey, listen, I have no choice. I had no choice in this thing. And, and I, you know what? She's actually kind of right because, you know, again, it shows the power of of the emperor and just like yeah. he's got he's just everywhere. And, you know, in this in this saga and in this galaxy and he's got his 
his finger on the pulse of what's going on there. You know, he's got Saxon in charge, and it's either side. Basically, it's either side with with Saxon and the Emperor and the Empire, or you're destroyed. I mean, it's just that simple. So she really has no option um, as of right now. You know, she's it's just her her son, um, a few of you know the the other Mandalorians that are with her. But again, that's all she's got. So there's no way that she's going to be able to. Uh, uh, to go against Saxon of the Empire, so she really does have no choice. But kind of a uh, neat little moment. This, this is more exposition with with Sabine, her mother. Uh, I know a lot of people love what was going on last episode, um, as far as Sabine is concerned. And we're getting a lot of her. And and when you get to the end of this episode, you kind of understand why they're going heavy on Sabine and her backstory. And we'll get to that in a minute. But um, anything else about what's going on here, Mike? Before we no, continue? no, continue because well, there will be more to talk about. In a Okay, in private, Ursa communicates via hologram with Governor Gar Saxon. Fen Rao uses the scanner inside his helmet to spy on the conversation. Ursa tells Saxon that her daughter, Sabine, has come home. When Saxon asks about Sabine's rebel friends, Ursa tells her that she came with two Jedi. Ursa tries to vouch for her daughter, but Saxon reassures her that Clan will be, uh, will be well taken care of. Ursa goes for a meeting with the Jedi while Fen Rao sneaks into Ursa's chamber. After knocking out a guard, he recovers Kanan and Ezra's lightsaber. Back in the throne room, Ursa tells the Jedi she knows her daughter better than them and that Sabina is just a child. Kanan responds that Ursa is underestimating the woman that Sabine has become. Ezra then asks why Clan Ren is siding with the Empire. An angry Ursa tells Ezra that he has no idea what he is talking about. Ezra responds that Sabine was telling the truth about the Protectors and she fought Gar Saxon on the conquered, uh, unconquered dawn. Ezra adds that Saxon was proud that he had wiped out the protectors. Ursa is shocked to learn that her daughter fought the governor. So, again, more revelations from, you know, the ghost crew, like, basically breaking it down to Ursa, like, you don't understand how uh, powerful uh, Sabine has become, what she's done, what she's done for us, what she's done for uh, even for Mandalore mm-hmm. as of right now. So, uh, so the one issue I had with with this, and I don't know if this is where you're going, is mm-hmm. uh, at this particular point, Saxon contacts Ursa and she says, "Hey, you know, the Jedi here, come come get him, and then me and Sabine will live happily ever after." And it's like, how can you be so naive mm-hmm. to think that uh, he's just going to let you do whatever you want to do? He's yeah. got Sabine, who's been a major, major disruptor. Uh, with the Phoenix Squad, so I don't know if I get that that she would just fall for that one so easily. I don't. Is that what you're going to, Mike, or something else? Uh, it's it's that that's part of it. So that's sort okay. of the beginning of it, and then after, like in 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 another scene or two, um, she asks for the dark saber, and Sabine hands it over. Right? Oh yeah, and yeah. it's like those two things combined. It's like why would Ursa? trust gar saxon and why would sabine listen to her mother at this point like mm-hmm. why? like i don't understand why she hands it over except for the fact that it's just so that so that gar saxon has a lightsaber at the end so that sabine can, can fight, fight him right <laughs> yeah. and to me like that is we use this word a lot over on quiver uh and that it, that's contrived like it doesn't happen for any reason other than the plot dictates that it needs to happen don't get me wrong this is a totally Star Wars thing to do, but it's a very right. George Lucas prequel Star Wars thing to do. Like, 
Obi-Wan picking up Anakin's lightsaber as he, right after he, you know, I, I, yeah, delimbs him, amputates him, (laughs) right? And he just picks up the lightsaber because he has to, because Obi-Wan has the lightsaber in A New Hope, right? But, and, and it's like, it's like Padme dying at the end of Revenge of the Sith because she has to, not because like she should, but just because she has to, right? Um, and it's just like, oh, what, what, how did she die? Oh, she died of a broken heart. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't have to make sense. Uh, the other movies say that it happened basically. So it has to happen. And it's like, that's not really, it's not really, um, good storytelling. You know, it's Mm -hmm. the sort of thing that we would give the prequels flack for. And then they're here, they are doing it with this, where it's like, this logic just doesn't make any sense, except that like. Gar Saxon has to show up and Gar Saxon has to end up with the dark saber so that Sabine can fight him with a lightsaber and get the, get it back. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and win it in combat and all that sort of thing, which to me is like, I don't know why you wouldn't have just had Sabine get the dark saber in combat from Darth Maul in that story and have it, you know, resolved there instead of carrying it for it's, it just, it, it, it seemed kind of silly to me, but, mm-hmm. um, right. Yeah. yeah. That, that's all. So like, this is kind of the beginning of that with the whole idea that, that she's going to, uh, she's going to have this communique with Gar Saxon and, uh, and, 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 mm-hmm. you know, make a deal that's going to protect Sabine. And it's like, she, of course, He's the bad guy, but, but I mean, it somewhat (laughs) makes sense because Ursa also like kind of trusts Gar Saxon for some reason, although I'm not sure why, because he did kill all of the protectors, but. And she doesn't know that. I I don't think obviously. Yeah, I guess. And and he is a Mandalorian. So their culture does, you know, they're really tight. Yeah. Uh, Not, not even including how tight the family bond is, Uh, Mm -hmm. but maybe you're right. Maybe there's just a small part that just, she wants to trust another Mandalorian. So. Uh, I yeah, again for me it just kind of was like oh man I don't know if that that was just too much for her to to be able to trust yeah. him that much. But uh, meanwhile Tristan is sparring with Sabine with metal rods in the sparring room. Sabine compliments her brother for practicing with her. When Sabine asks if he thinks that she is a traitor, Tristan responds. Uh, Tristan responds but tells her that her defection caused the other clans to view their family as traitors. Tristan tells Sabine that her decision caused them to lose power in the capital Sundari and their respect. Tristan vows to restore his family's name and to protect their father. Sabine uh, urges that Saxon can't be trusted, but Tristan tells her that Ursa has traded the Jedi for their safety. You've been practicing, brother. Let me guess. You think I'm a traitor, too? No. But when you left, the other clans turned their backs on us. We lost everything! Our power in the capital, our respect, and our honor. If I can restore our family's name, if I can protect father, then I have to try! Saxon promised! Gar Saxon cannot be trusted! Mother trusts him! Enough to trade the Jedi for your safety. Mother, what have you done? So there you have it, you know, um, she, she did it, you know, and, and it's, it's about Sabine's, you know, her, her quote unquote treachery, you know, it's mm-hmm. like their, their house and their name was just 
thrown in the mud basically for what Sabine did. And ultimately, we know, obviously, that she was doing the right thing. Uh, and this family bond will finally kind of heal itself here at the very end. But, I, you know, you can kind of understand where somewhat where Tristan's coming from. He's trying to – obviously, their father is, is held captive. And he's held captive um, – and they kind of explain this in the episode, I believe, that um, uh, what do they do with? It's kind of he's kind of like an insurance policy, basically. Uh, he's captive until until they want to let him go until something happens. So he's that insurance policy to have, and and Tristan's trying to gain the favor of Gar Saxon in turn with the Empire and the, and the Emperor to uh, kind of get that name back to uh, to what it used to be. So this is where kind of everything kind of hits the fan. Uh, Mike, you want to take this one? Yeah, uh, here we're just right after the audio clip again, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sabine runs back to the throne room only to discover that her mother is about to turn Ezra and Kanan over to Gar Saxon and his Imperial Super Commandos. Sabine protests, but Saxon remarks that her mother is loyal, but not to her. Ursa tells Saxon that she has upheld her side of the bargain and pleads for the governor to leave with the Jedi and the Darksaber and to let her daughter go. Saxon mocks Ursa for betraying everything just for her own daughter. Uh, however, he adds that Ursa consorted with traitors. When Ursa asks what he is talking about, Saxon responds that Clan Wren harbored traitors, and that makes them a threat to the Empire. Tristan pleads for his family, but Saxon forces him to choose between him or dying with his family. As Sabine looks at Tristan and their mother, Tristan decides to choose his family and points his blaster at Saxon. So yeah, this is where this is about like the only honest moment I think in the mm -hmm. whole episode. I mean, there was a little bit of one in the in the sparring right. uh, scene, but more so it's here where, with this whole I'm um, Tristan being forced to choose, mm -hmm. and he does he he chooses his family, um, <clears throat> yeah. and. Uh, and and like that that to me was like the only moment of the episode where I was like oh that that was kind of a cool moment. Other than it that, kind of it was, was a fake out of, to me. Yeah, totally um, for sure. It seemed like thought, he was oh, going to go with them. Yeah, especially yeah. like right after Ursa betrays them, and with how angry Tristan was during the sparring scene, you kind of think oh, yeah. like, oh, this is where this is going to go, right? Um, and and then there's going to be this rift here but um but no he ends up uh, he ends up coming through yeah it did it's kind of that was another surprise i'll say there's actually two somewhat this is not as big as the last one but yeah this is i for a minute there i thought oh man he's gonna go against because again he's he's been with gar for a while mm -hmm. i think he trusts him like his mother so, somewhat did but um it's all about his family getting his father back and and for a minute there, i thought oh man he's gonna go against sabine this should be interesting uh, but then he turns around and it, it's all about the family. So, um, yeah, kind of, it kind of made sense and, and it's okay. It's fine. But, um, that kind of had me there for, for a second. So I like that. Uh, but I'll continue here before Saxon can order his super commandos to wipe out clan Ren and the Jedi. Fenral bursts into the throne room and hands Ezra and Kanan back their lightsabers. A gunfight breaks out with Sabine reminding Ezra to blast only the guys in white. Amidst the skirmish, Ezra throws Sabine his lightsaber. Saxon tries to attack Ursa with a darksaber, but Sabine intercepts his blow with Ezra's lightsaber. Saxon vows to destroy Clan Wren, and the two Mandalorian, Mandalorians ignite their jetpacks and fight. The two blast their way out of the fortress and land in the snow, with Sabine damaging her, uh, her jetpack. 
Tristan shoots the last of Saxon command, uh, Saxon's commandos and calls out to his sister. Sabine and Saxon then spar on the ice with their blades. Sabine ducks Saxon's blows while her family, Rao, and the Jedi watch. Ezra tries to intervene, but Ursa tells him that the Mandalorian law and custom dictates that no one can intervene in a duel. And we've seen that before. Uh, once a duel breaks out, it's like, you know, you let them handle it, and uh, you kind of and you kind of hold back and wait. But, man, this is some cool stuff. You know, you get all this uh, Mandalorian stuff and the culture, and but, man, it's some great action here. i gotta, I got to admit, that was some great action. And, and to see Sabine wielding Ezra's lightsaber, and we know that she's been trained – Although quickly, she's been trained in some of the lightsaber forms, and she's easily able to hold her own. And what's so great about this and seeing Mandalorians fight, Mike, is they don't have Jedi power, but the the you know the jetpacks and all the doodads they have yeah. kind of gives them some somewhat of a Jedi kind of kind of vibe. You yeah. know what I mean? So you know they're flying around, they're shooting things, you know, fire. You got the the flamethrower, you got darts, uh, you got her. Um, that little shield she has, you know, so it's, yeah. uh, they kind of have these Jedi type things that help them kind of, kind of go that extra mile. So I kind of love that seeing non Jedi fight, but they have all these cool, uh, cool gadgets and gizmos to kind of help them out with their fighting. But just a cool thing. Again, beautiful, beautifully shot. The shot of them kind of coming at each other from like a wide angle. That was really cool. Uh, in the snow and the ice and all that. Um, good stuff. Mike, what'd you think of this fight? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty well done. The 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 cracking ice was a bit of a red herring to me. I, I think, I don't know. It was kind of like like that. It was, it was happening, but it never really like there was no payoff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think someone's gonna go in the water or something. Yeah, you yeah. keep thinking that like oh something's gonna happen. Um, I think it's a bit of a cop out for them to both lose their jetpacks. Um, I get like this is a Star Wars thing, and I always say I said when I was watching the episode, I was like, "Oh, there it is, the jetpacks." It's always like that's always the downfall, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, yeah, uh, it was definitely I. I, it's how Boba Fett dies. It's how Jango Fett dies, uh, and I'm pretty sure it was how uh, uh, Pre Vizsla died as well. Like he, he was kind of relying on the jetpack a little bit, right. and, and Darth too Maul. Much, yeah was was able to sort of uh, use that against him um so yeah it's it's like that jetpack tends to be the downfall of the of <laughs> yeah. the mandalorians more than an asset to them um in particular when they're fighting jedi or or sort of in in that sort of a realm in the dual sort of a realm it's like it's this really big target on their back that can oh, be yeah. damaged um and I think what Mandalorians really need to focus on in the future is building sturdier jetpacks that don't break because you fell, <laughs> right? Like it yeah, seems yeah. like that's a bit of a design flaw for Sabine to get knocked out of a window and, or to jump out of a however that happened and, and to land on her back and to have the jetpack just not work anymore. It's like, mm-hmm. well, that's kind of that, that's kind of a bit of a weak um a, a bit of a of a weak story device like plot device yeah but yeah yeah for sure no good good i mean again i, I kind of enjoyed the fight and where like i said all the doodads and he did extra without a jedi involved it's kind of cool to see him kind of yeah. crazy uh uh go ahead mike you want to continue what's next i uh, yeah, here we are. Was, as they continue sparring, is that where we are? Yeah. 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 As they continue sparring, Saxon ignites his jetpack and fires at Sabine. Sabine deflects his blows with her portable shield and fires her flamethrower at him. 
She manages to damage his jetpack, forcing him to land on the ice. Saxon tells her that he is impressed, but taunts that her skills won't save her. Sabine jokes that she was about to say the same thing to him. The two, two charge for a final clash as the ice beneath them begins to crack. Sabine manages to knock the Darksaber out of Saxon's hand and holds both Ezra's lightsaber and the Darksaber around his neck. Sabine tells Saxon to yield, but he demands that she execute him per Mandalorian tradition. Sabine rejects his request and says that the Mandalorian way is not her way. As Sabine walks back to her family, Gar Saxon tries to shoot her. However, Ursa shoots Saxon in the chest, killing him. Sabine is surprised, but her mother responds that no one threatens her family. Fenrau adds that Saxon is guilty of treason against the throne, collaboration with the enemy, and the execution of his fellow protectors. He adds that Saxon's death will cause chaos on Mandalore. Ursa responds that Mandalore needs chaos in order to rebuild and find a worthy leader. So, um, missed opportunity here, I think, in showing how different Sabine is from the rest of the Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead they, they decided to show how different she is from the rest of the Mandalorians. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it would have been a really cool moment to have her execute Gar Saxon. Yeah. We're waiting uh, for that Dooku moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. A- Anakin Dooku moment. Where is that? There was, there was definitely a parallel there. Yeah. Um, I think that she should have done it and Ezra should have questioned it. And Kanan should have been like, you don't understand. She's a Mandalorian. She's not a Jedi. She's mm-hmm. not her her morals are not our morals, right? There's a reason why the Jedi and the Mandalorians are are on opposite sides of the conflict so often. And it's because they have different ideologies. And it would have been cool to see that come through in Sabine's character. Because as far as I'm concerned, Sabine is a Mandalorian in name only. She mm-hmm. she wears Mandalorian-ish armor. But there's really nothing about her character that I would consider Mandalorian. I guess the fact that she is an artist plays back into some of that Clone Wars stuff. But really, like, I I don't think she lives up to that title. Um, and I think this episode made a point of that. But I, th- I found that that was really odd. I found that that was kind of a weird direction to go with that. Um, mm-hmm. I would have rather have seen that. Um, the character that I actually ended up enjoying the most in this episode was Fen Rao. But... Um, because he sort of, he sort of acted as this as a bit of a leader. So I I don't know at this point if if this story continues, we'll talk about it in a minute. But if this story yeah. continues, um, and we have to find a leader for the Mandalorians at this point, yeah. it's either going to be Fen Rao or uh, Bo Katan, yeah. one or the yeah. other, right? Um, I thought you were going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm finding that I actually really like Fen Rao. Now, as yeah. last oh, episode yeah. and this episode. Um, and his armor, it took a little while to, to grow on me. I don't know if I necessarily like the whole, the whole, um, the cap sort of thing that he has. You know what I mean? Like the, the sort of like oh, right. uh, astronaut yeah. hat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but the rest of his armor, I can I'm kind of it's growing on me. I like it. Other people have said like, oh, it doesn't look enough like Mandalorian armor. And I say to that, you have an ex- you have examples of death watch armor that's really all we've ever seen is is boa's armor Django's armor and death watch and we know that there's a connection between Django and death watch so it makes sense that their armor would be very similar but now seeing um seeing clan ren we see that their armor is slightly different 
Um, definitely Ursa's helmet is very different. Um, and mm-hmm. on top of that, you have to remember that Fen Rao is a protector. He's not a standard um, Mandalorian, so his armor is going to be slightly different, right? It's like the difference between a stormtrooper and a scout trooper, right? Like they're they you know there's going to be slight differences, and and I, it's very odd to me. People complain about something like that, and it's like, why would you complain about that? It's another design, <laughs> like yeah, like right. it doesn't negate. It, this is one of those things. None of this negates the Clone Wars. None of this necessarily negates some of the expanded universe stuff. Um, maybe the Karen Travis stuff, but in my opinion, the Karen Travis stuff was a little bit too convoluted for its own good. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get lots of flack for that, but <laughs> I go back to the fact that the Mandalorians are not Klingons, okay? They don't need a fully fleshed out language with a dictionary that everybody can learn how to speak. And they're not just a proud warrior race. They're more complex than that. Um, and, and George Lucas intended them to be more complex than that. So, um, when people say to me like, Oh, it's, I hate this stuff. It all rewrites the Karen Travis, the, the Republic commando stuff. I'm always like, yeah, but the Republic commando stuff was kind of lame anyways. I thought it was cool when I was first reading it because I liked the Republic Commandos and because we were all in that Clone Wars mindset. But mm. the further away I get from it, the more it's like that is a Star Trek thing, and it's not. It is not Star Wars. The mm. they they were basically Klingons in armor and and like that. Uh, I don't. They, they are they're imagined much more deeply and much more complexly throughout the course of Clone Wars and then. Uh, Star Wars Rebels, so mm-hmm. and um, if some of the rumors are to be believed, possibly in in uh, the Last Jedi as well. So, yeah, have we we wanna, to... have we recorded an episode since the title of the Last Jedi was revealed? I don't think that we have. No, we did. Did we? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, last episode we talked about. The, okay. Uh, the oh yeah, and we, and we said that there's nothing to talk about yet. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cool. I, yeah. I want to piggyback. I'll piggyback real quick, and then we'll yeah. finish up here um, on what you said about how you thought it would have been better for Sabine to to take out Gar and the way this episode ends it kind of it would kind of make sense right because she's just, you know I want to stay with my family I'm a Mandalorian that would make sense to her taking out Saxon so but then you can also turn around and go well the fact that she didn't proves that maybe she like she says she's not ready to be the leader yet so yeah almost you can almost look at it, at it two ways out uh, as far as that particular uh, particular scene. So um, I guess we'll finish it up here. Kanan warns Ursa that the Empire will come after them and offers the Rebellion's assistance. Ursa responds that Mandalore must rise by itself and that her people must protect their own. Kanan, Ezra, and Chopper are surprised to learn that Sabine won't be coming back with them. Sabine replies that she has had enough of running away. She vows to rescue her father before rejoining the Rebellion. Sabine believes that she can do more good here with her family. Kanan tells Sabine that he is going to miss her and the two hug. Sabine thanks both Ezra and Kanan. Sabine, Finn, and her family watch as the Phantom Two departs. Rao tells Sabine uh, that she did well today and all of Clan Ren saw the woman she has become. Rao thinks that Sabine would make a good Mandalorian leader, but Sabine says she does not want to. Uh, she does not want that role. Instead, she vows to find Mandalorians, uh, Mandalore's true leader. You're not coming with us? I'm done running away. My father's on Mandalore. We'll find a way to get him back. And then 
then maybe we can join the fight against the Empire. But right now, I can do more good here. I am so... Do not say you're proud of me. Me? Never. But I am going to miss you. We all will. Thank you. Both of you. You did well today. All of Clan Wren saw who you've become. You could lead Mandalore. No. This was about my family. I'm not Mandalore's leader. But I'll find the person who is. So, Micah, I think this was uh, the spot where a lot of people were surprised. I did not see this coming. Um, this kind of surprised me mm-hmm. uh, on the level of Ahsoka leaving. Not that powerful, of course, but on that same level of being surprised and watching and going, whoa, what? What did she say? So you're thinking to yourself, man, we're done with the Sabine storyline. And it, and then you kind of think back on it and you go, well, let's see. This this series probably isn't going to go more much more than maybe one more season. Um, they need to start tying things up and start focusing on Kanan and and Ezra. Um, we know Ezra, what he, you know, he's trying to become a Jedi. We know where Hera's going to end up as being a general and seeing her continue in the Rebel Alliance um, and kind of rise in the ranks. And Sabine, uh, her storyline was, hey, getting back with her parents, getting back to Mandalore culture, and kind of bringing them back to where they need to be. So kind of a shock, but I totally understand it. I kind of love the idea that, yeah. okay, this is her story, and now we can move on with some some, some more things. Um, I don't know. Your thoughts, Mike? What do you think? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I, I, I think that, that Sabine's character went through a pretty major transformation over the course of the last few episodes. Oh, yeah. Um, basically since the confrontation with Darth Maul. And... Um, I didn't expect it to come to a close like it did. Um, obviously, there's more story left to tell there, but at the same time, mm-hmm. they're kind of saying like, "Well, we're good for now," um, yeah. and uh, and it's something that we'll revisit hopefully in the future. I mean, the the interesting thing is that we know from Katie Sackoff that uh, that they recorded dialogue for Bo-Katan right a while ago. Um, yeah. At this point, now you have to imagine that it's in season four. We have I, have we been renewed for season four yet? No, and, and that's what all Not the big controversy is: is that nothing has been said about yeah, season four. So, it, yeah, look, Lucasfilm is cutting their nose off to spite their face a little bit right now, and I'm getting kind of sick of it. Um, to be perfectly honest, I get it; they have movies that they want to market. Um, that doesn't mean that they should be doing the disservice to star Wars rebels that they have been doing since the force awakens came out. Um, Mm -hmm. I, they've got a bit of a cadence and, and, um, and so they've become very predictable, but that predictability isn't necessarily a good thing. We can figure it out. We can decipher their moves because we pay attention to this stuff, but the general fan, might not necessarily like the people who aren't listening to podcasts, but that like to watch the show. Um, mm-hmm. They aren't following along this carefully and definitely like, so this is star Wars's biggest problem. I think 
And, and in particular, like when it comes to the TV shows and with the way that they've marketed Star Wars Rebels, they are not doing anything to bring in new viewers. So what I have seen anecdotally is um, our listenership has like has had these weird peaks and valleys. Um, whenever a major news Star Wars news announcement happens, um, we, we get a spike. Because right. people go online and they look for all the Star Wars podcasts they can. Um, but those people don't stick around for Rebels because they're not watching the show. Um, and they're not watching the show because they're not marketed to watch the show. Nobody right. cares about the show because there are no action figures. Uh, there's not really all that much in the way of, of ancillary toys or uh, you know lunch kits, backpacks, blah, blah, blah. There's some stuff. But really, the market is flooded with your same standard Darth Vader, Stormtrooper, C-3PO, R2-D2 crap that we've gotten since forever, right? And then I, I, whatever the movie of the, the moment is, so that's Force Awakens or, or Rogue One, we're in a bit of a, we're in a, bit of a, um, a slow spot right now because we are post-Rogue One, but we're not close enough to to the last Jedi in order to start talking about it. They should be hammering this stuff down our throat right now. They should have made an announcement about season four. They should have been talking about, uh, I, I, season three, they should have been promoting the crap out of this stuff. Instead, we're hearing about the packaging for the last Jedi toys and mm-hmm. tie in novels to rogue one. Who cares about Rogue One at this point? The movie's out. Go away. Right. Like that's my yeah. opinion. And when and like the, it's, it's the same with the Force Awakens. The Force Awakens came out. Go away. We're done. That's over. <laughs> yeah. Right. As soon as we hit January, let's talk about something else. Um, but but oddly, they are acting like they have to they have to keep Rebels basically under a a, a, a sheet until like the the moment where there's nothing else to talk about and then we can talk about star wars rebels um yeah at this point i have to imagine that we're going to get an announcement at star wars celebration i think the odd part is that the last couple of celebrations i i they have actually shown the season premiere so um whether or not they'll show the season four premiere at star wars celebration this year time Mm -hmm will tell on that one uh we haven't heard anything yet about that but we definitely we saw the season two premiere at star wars celebration in april uh, uh, uh two years ago now um yeah. and uh yeah. and and they showed they showed the first uh, the, they showed the season premiere of season three at celebration europe so although that celebration europe was not in april was it the, the last one the europe one was it was close it was uh i want to say april may yeah I was it, it was. okay um yeah. yeah so i i i think like th- there's there's an opportunity there for them to do it again if they're if they're planning on doing that but very weird that they haven't made that announcement yet um star wars celebration is another thing that i feel like has been very uh mishandled like what have they talked about they haven't talked about anything the the convention is two months away i know and all you have is like three people confirmed yeah you got palpatine you got um you got uh uh jen i'm drawing a blank on her name real quick Uh, yeah felicity Um, jones 
Yeah. And then like one other person and that, because I went on the and website. And then Ryan Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Of course. Like, like okay. Like, don't get me wrong. We know. We know that Daisy Ridley, Oscar Isaac, uh, John Boyega, uh, and and uh, Adam Driver are all going to be there. We know they're going to be there because they're going to be the opening act, basically, right? Um, right the opening yeah. ceremonies will be the last Jedi panel with, with Ryan Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy and all of those people, as well as more than likely, uh, Mark Hamill and, uh, uh, Laura Dern and maybe sure. Benicio del Toro and, yeah. and, a, and a few other people that they'll bring out probably, um, what's his face? Do- Donald Gleason. Um, <laughs> Donald Glover. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and then we might get, we might get some Han Solo stuff. But Han Solo would be. Here's the weird thing: Han Solo is slated for next May. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then, Episode Nine is actually slated for for the following May. So it looks like I don't know if those are official release dates or not. If those are official Disney release dates, um, I hope they are because that means that Episode Nine comes out on May twenty fourth, twenty nineteen, which is actually my birthday. So um, that would be kind of cool. But mm-hmm. um, I. That means that the schedules are going to sort of flip a little bit, um, and and I can imagine at the point that that happens, that celebration is actually going to move to a different time of the year. But um, but it's it's very odd, just the way that they've kind of been handling everything. I feel like they're not doing as good a job as they were a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, like before the movies, Rebels was all they had to talk about, and even and before Rebels, all they had to talk about was Clone Wars. So Clone oh, Wars was yeah. like top billing at everything, right? At the uh, at at C five and C six, uh, Clone Wars was the star of the show, um, and Rebels never really got that because by the time the Rebels came around, there were there were movies to talk about, but right. I I. Yeah, it, it it's just it's been very odd. I don't I don't quite understand it, and I'm getting a little bit tired of it. Like, you can talk about two things at once. People can, people understand that the TV series and the movies are different things, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I don't well, know. Well, just just to finish up on the marketing thing you're talking yeah. about, like, look what you got coming up in this series. I mean, you got yeah. Obi Wan coming back against yeah. Maul. I mean. It's crazy. How can you not be marketing that? Like, do you remember when they brought Darth Maul back? They did a movie theater screening event of that storyline. And obviously, Rebels is a very different animal from Clone Wars, so they can't do that because it's not a four-part story. But, but man, do something. You know what I mean? Like, like crazy. Like, give us something more than just, like, next week on Star Wars Rebels, Obi-Wan Kenobi's going to show up, I guess. Um, (laughs) It seems like the sort of thing that they should be marketing already. I'm also, like, like, I'm also getting a little bit um, miffed that that they're going to bring back Obi-Wan Kenobi and they're only going to do it for one episode. One episode, man. That's all we get. Like, they're going to rush this story through one episode. Other garbage stories have gotten a slow burn of, like, two or three episodes this season. Obi-Wan Kenobi comes back. Yeah, all we need is 22 minutes for that. <laughs> that kind of irks me yeah, a little bit. But, I, I can see that. Um, I understand your, and, your frustration. And, I mean, like, obviously I'm coming at that as one of the biggest Obi-Wan Kenobi fans on the planet. But at the same time, like, if it were anybody OT, I would expect 
a bit better treatment than that. Although I guess like Princess Leia, it was kind of like, oh yeah, by the way, Princess Leia is going to be on next week's episode, and then it was kind of like whatever. Um, yeah. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I don't understand what they're doing with Star Wars Rebels. It feels like they're repeatedly shooting themselves in the foot. That's mm-hmm. that's my opinion. The stories that they're telling and the way that they're marketing those stories, it just it just like on the one hand, it's like it's like I understand you guys don't have anything to talk about with Star Wars Rebels because who wants to hear about a puffer pig for two <laughs> weeks as you promote this episode? Um, on the other hand, they're also doing really cool stuff that they should be doing more of. But I I just don't know. I don't I don't yeah, know. I, I, it's just because the show is, is so good at most of the time. And it yeah. just sometimes you, we just, we're just boggled that they don't promote it more than they're doing. And yeah. like I said, you got all these great episodes coming up and, and by the time celebration comes around, season three is going to be over. So, yeah. uh, but that's looks like the next information we'll get about a season four is, is probably going to be in uh, celebration. Obviously, usually it's a, uh, I think it's the Saturday is usually rebels day. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, but coming off coming off this episode though, again, big reveal that Sabine is going to stay, and she like she says, who's going to take over? Who's going to take the dark saber and uh, you know kind of be be the leader of 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 the Mandalorian people now? And and she says she's not going to do it. So like I think I think you're right, Mike. I think it comes down to maybe Fan Rao, Bo Katan. Um, I'm trying to think who else could it be. I mean, those are the only two that that I think. Uh, would I'm more apt to say Fen Rao? Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah. Well, but Bo-Katan is the the sister of Satine, right? So yeah, yeah, Satine, yeah. former ruler of the Mandalorians. So um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's a there's a connection there that could work really well. Yeah. So with that, um, that's the episode. Let's let's uh, jump into the emails, Mike. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. What message? Rebels podcast. You know, that's a club. Mailbag. Council is asking you. All right. So we got the first one from Bob Willick. He says, hey, gang, great, ep- uh, great episode of Rebels. It was very gratifying also to see a mini story arc with Sabine, which had a satisfying payoff. I thought it was smart to leaving her story open ended as something that could either be left alone or be brought back uh, at a time at a later time. I would also like to reiterate another point I made here in a previous Facebook post about the future of the series. Don't get me wrong, I would be thrilled if there was another season, and yet I just don't know how you can stretch out the main character arcs for another entire season. That said, here's what I would do if I were a writer of the show. Number one, make the last season short. An exciting last season would be great, uh, but a shorter one, say eight to 10 episode max, perhaps shorter, would I think have a much uh, bigger impact. Number two, no fillers. A shorter season would also be easier to manage without feeling the pressure to write filler episodes. Vital storylines and multi-episode arcs with consequences are what's needed in a finale season. High-stakes battles and Jedi lightsaber fights are another component to, uh, to ping up the action. Possible speculative questions to answer, which might not be answered this season. Number one, Kane and Ezra and Zeb's fate. Number two, Ahsoka's fate. Number three, possible destruction of the Phoenix Squadron. These are just some possibilities right now. I'm just enjoying the ride. Hope you guys hope you're able to address some of these questions on your show. Good to be back. Thanks, guys. So, first of all, um, as far as this show or this particular episode, yeah, I think it was uh, that the payoff for me was it was good. I thought that was a great way to do it. Again, I mentioned it earlier. I think it was a predictable episode. Uh, some of those story lines that you see in a lot of movies where 
you know, it's, you know, the, the, the family is gone, they come back and it's who they're going to choose. Of course, they're going to choose the family. So predictable. But again, that last part, the action was great. The scenery looked great. And that um, reveal of Sabine kind of staying back was a shock. So I thought that was cool. Um, he made some points about the previous, a, a new season, Mike. And we've talked about this many times. I've always been in the camp saying make them shorter. But I I just don't know if if Disney or, or Disney XD or whatever it is will allow them to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, th- I think they like the, you know, get just get more episodes out there and the more we can do it, the more commercials we can do it. It's, it's a super popular <laughs> yeah. show on XD. I, I'm totally with you, Bob. I mean, I think eight to ten episodes is what they need to do. Crunch it out like all these big-time series do, a la Game of Thrones. You know, put a bunch of content into, you know, smaller episodes. Um, but I just... And he says no fillers. That kind of goes in with the season shorter. Um, I just don't think that, although I'd love to see it, I just don't think they can do that. I think they're under some kind of contractual thing where they have to do so many episodes or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure that's what it is. So, uh, And then he talks about the fates of some of these. Uh, we just kind of saw the fate of Sabine. And like you said, they kind of left it open. It sounds like she is going to come back. Probably not this season. Next season, she'll probably come back is what I'm thinking. Um, and as far as Kanan, Ezra, and Zeb, um, I, we're not going to find out their fates until this season, this this series concludes. Is my is my uh, feeling, and I have no idea what they're going to do with Ahsoka. I mean, it's still a mystery of what happened to her. I'd love to see her come back, but there's nothing uh, lately that we've heard about her coming back. So, any thoughts on this? Yeah, no, I, I you know I don't think that we're going to get closure on on Ahsoka's storyline anytime soon. Um, and I think that Zeb will be a character that will be left open-ended by the end of the series. Um, mm-hmm. I think the only ones that we need to get closure on really are going to be uh, Kanan and Ezra. Um, yeah. We kind of have closure on Hera. We know that she survives through the series. We know that she is at the Battle of Scarif. Um, right. As as for whether or not she made it out of Scarif, we actually don't know that. Um um, and who is with her at Scarif other than Chopper, we also don't know that. So, right. um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, so so I, I'd imagine that Zeb was probably still with her, but who knows, Zeb may have gone back to his, uh, to the, that planet that the Lasat were on. Um, yeah. I, but, I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to be a little annoyed if the series basically just wraps up everybody's storylines eventually. Like it just kind of goes along and just goes like, and then we lose this character and then we lose this character and then we lose this character. Um, in my opinion, like if we have lost, um, uh, Sabine, we need to replace her with a new character, right? Like the, the dynamic of the team needs to change and somebody new needs to get introduced but i don't know if that's the tact that they're going to take with it i don't think that we'll get anything in season three maybe in season what four if, we'll get a new character but yeah sorry what if ahead. it's no i was gonna say you were talking about replacing a character what if they're setting up to have um uh oh geez gosh i'm drawing his blank on his name already uh fulcrum gosh why am i drawing making this oh uh callus agent callus yeah God, come on brain but anyway what if they're you know, kind of bring it because we're going to talk about him in it coming yeah. up in this episode. I don't know. You know, just 
things to throw out there. It's possible. Uh, I if Callus joins them, I don't think he'll join join the team. Like I don't think he'll be hanging out with the Ghost crew every week. Yeah. Um, I think that he'll be more of like a high level rebel uh, uh, team yeah. member. I do think that's going to happen, and I do think that's gonna the the mm. first part of that's gonna happen next week. Um, yeah. Either that or Callus is gonna die. It's one or the other. But, yeah. 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 No, as far as this series, I mean, I, it's tough. I mean, I, I want to see obviously what is the fate of Ezra and Kanan, whether, you know, it's one of them, you know, Ezra falling to the dark side and, and having to sacrifice or one of them sacrificing or something like that. Uh, I think that was where we can head. But when you see what they did with Ahsoka and left it kind of in a gray area, you're like, oh, man. I would rather have yeah. a so like when the Soka thing happened, I'm like, I, when I thought she was dead, I was like, okay, cool. That's, that's an ending. We know what's going on and she served her purpose and it was a amazing finale. But then when they left it open ended, like, Oh man, what the heck is going on? I, and I've said my piece about that episode where I thought it was amazing, but uh, I think they kind of lost their guts a little bit on that. And, and I can understand that's Dave Filoni's character and he didn't want her to go out and, and I get it, but I don't know, man. It's 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 a lot of stuff, and I think we'll know a little bit more maybe after celebration when we get to see maybe what's going to go on with season four. Maybe hopefully get some kind of trailer for season four. Yeah, um, we can kind of speculate a little more on what's going to happen. So we'll see what happens. Then, Mike, we got a leftover um, uh, email. A couple of them. I put one in here from uh, over our break. You want to take? Yeah, uh, sure. Book? Yeah, uh, uh, Ariel Philip uh, writes us. And says, uh, Trials of the Darksaber was by far the best half episode of this half of the third season. We finally got more of Sabine's backstory and, and to why she is fighting alongside the Rebels. I particularly enjoyed Kanan teaching Sabine fighting styles and how all beings are connected to the Force. We actually got to see saber forms on screen now. The teachings of, of how one is connected to a lightsaber and its crystals is very intriguing. And I am so glad that they explored that aspect. That moment when Kanan was purposely, sorry, purposefully forcing Sabine to reveal her past and how that motivated her to fight harder was reminiscent for me of how Luke was able to defeat Vader on the second Death Star. <clears throat> Ezra was at his best with his little jabs here and there, uh, but that poignant moment when we really felt for him when he when he spoke about his parents. Uh, this episode was packed full of legends info like the Mandalorian Wars and Mandalorian culture. One last thing, I thought Bendu was going to be more involved when they showed him, but I guess not. Looking forward to your thoughts. Happy New Year. Um, yeah, one of the things about that episode that we didn't talk about in the episode, but mm -hmm. but I meant to mention, was um, I there's a moment where Sabine rushes at at uh, Kanan. at Kanan and yeah. goes for the the thrust right. And mm -hmm. she thrusts through, and Kanan sidesteps and grabs her hand and then throws her. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> very, very intelligent folks, smarter than us, noticed that that was the move that Vader used on Kanan uh, in at the beginning of season two, um, or one oh, of the moves. Nice. So yeah. I think nice. that that was there was a really cool moment. Sorry, because I, 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 Ariel. Ariel Phillip uh, brings up uh, the the parallel between Luke defeating Vader on the Death Star, second Death Star, and that sort of reminded me of that. That um, 
that Kanan manages to sort of like learn from his mistake. And I think it's one of Kanan's greatest strengths as a Jedi is that he definitely like learns from the mistakes and he actually incorporates it into, into uh, his decision-making in the future. So Mm -hmm. seeing that in his fighting style was really cool. I thought that that was a really great little nod to that moment from season two. And the fact that, that, um, in his in his several defeats, he's actually become stronger for surviving those defeats, um, and and becomes a better fighter and a better Jedi as a result. And then when it's time for him to pass on knowledge to to someone else, he uses that knowledge to to inform them. So I thought that was really cool. I thought that was a really great moment because you see you sort of see this lineage of experience where like, you know, Kanan made that mistake. So he's not mm-hmm. going to allow Sabine to make the same mistake. He's going to use that against her to teach her how to counter it. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And I thought that was really cool. I thought that was really great, a really great yeah. moment within that. And, you know, trials of the dark saber is such a great episode, such a great. episode. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Definitely top, top yeah. of the series so far. And he mentions, yeah. and I didn't even think about this and he mentions the, uh, how, the how Kanan was kind of jabbing at her and trying to get her to 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 break out of her little funk and finally and it does it does kind of harken back to Luke and Vader how Vader was just taunting Luke and trying to get him to come out and and finally ultimately talking about his sister was able to do it the same thing with with Sabine you know finally Kanan is able to get her to kind of break out of her little her funk and 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 talking about her family and all that so definitely see the uh uh, kind of the, the similarities there. So great point there for yeah. Ariel Phillip. Um, and, and again, talking, we talked about it on that episode about how it was cool to see somebody actually explain how the lightsaber is connected in a way that we haven't seen it before as far as um, how to use it and how it flows with you and stuff like that. I mean, we got little pieces of it from different Jedi before, but man, this one was really cool to see him going through in the forums and then Kanan talking about how the crystal, how you connect with the crystal and all that. And yeah. man, it was just, it's just all good. So, um, good stuff there. Thanks Ariel for, uh, for uh, writing in and anybody else that's written in, uh, we got a couple more that are, that are on standby. We'll get to them as the, as we go through the season there. So thank you all for writing in and keep doing it, man. We love to hear your thoughts. Uh, cause again, we're just, uh, two fans that like the show and we talk about it, but sometimes you guys bring up some great points that we miss. So definitely let us know what you guys think of a future episode. So, uh, email us and uh, Facebook us or whatever Twitter uh, we'll get them on here so with that Mike um, next time on yeah. Star Wars Rebels wow look at this through Imperial Eyes is the title and let's take a quick listen to what's going on understand but i mean you've probably all seen it uh this is kind of like one of those first person views of uh callus kind of being summoned uh, obviously something's going on in the background fearing that the empire will soon discover the identity of a rebel spy the rebels launch a plan to rescue him before his capture so man looking forward to this seeing what ultimately happens to callus 
uh, looks like it's coming to a head here finally at yeah. the end of this season. So good stuff, Mike. You looking forward to this? Definitely. Yeah. Good yeah, stuff. definitely. So that's coming next week through Imperial Eyes. That's going to do it for this week. Yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, as always, you can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars Rebels news by heading to rebelspodcast.com, which is back up now. It was down for we were we yeah. were having some technical issues for for about the last month, and the site was actually all the way down for about a week. Um, <clears throat> but we're back up. Everything's running tip top shape. Um, so uh, Tim can bring you guys the news. Thankfully, there wasn't that much news in the meantime. Not a lot happened, but uh, uh, Rebels-wise at least. Um, uh, but you can head to uh, uh, Facebook.com slash Rebels Podcast and Twitter uh, at Rebels Podcast to follow us there as well. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. And you can follow Matt at the Crankster. That is Crankster with a K. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you like this, you can check out more great podcasts by heading to thunderquack.com. Check out all the other podcasts on the Thunderquack Podcast Network, uh, like Star Wars The Saga Continues, maybe, or the Epic Marvel Podcast. Uh, I'm going to give a little tease here. We're actually, uh, I'm going to be doing an episode of the Epic Marvel Podcast over the summer once the show, once my other two shows are on hiatus with, with Rebels and, uh, and Quiver. Going to find some time in there. And actually do um, um, some Marvel Star Wars in there. Because Epic Marvel Podcast, one of the new ones that we just launched, uh, it goes back to basically like these sort of omnibus editions and, and you know, kind of retreads um, um, these entire runs, these significant storylines. So uh, Curtis has asked me to, uh, to, to do a Star Wars episode when I've got the time. And, uh, and I'm definitely going to do that. So you should check out epicmarvelpodcast.com, subscribe, and look forward to that. Because, a, a, it's the best podcast on the network, in my opinion. Curtis is working so hard over there, way harder than we work over here. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's doing interviews, and he's, like, cutting that into the conversation that they're having. It's it's the best produced podcast on our network. And I think that Curtis deserves a lot of credit for that. So people should go check it out. Um, and you can check out all the other podcasts, thunderquack.com. Um, and of course, if you want to support us, you can do that by heading to store.thunderquack.com where you can buy all sorts of merch with star Wars, uh, sorry, the rebels podcast, I should say, uh, uh, designs. Um, we've got two currently, we've got the, uh, the Phoenix flame and we have, uh, the Kanan's, I, I whatever that was the claw thing that he had on his on his armor mm. um, in season one and two. So we've got those two designs up on the site. Um, I have the t- the Canaan one because the reason why I did the Canaan one is because I wanted that t shirt. Like I, I remember at Celebration Anaheim saying to Matt Campbell um, when we were because I was cruising around and I wanted to buy a t shirt and and he was like, well, because we were looking everywhere and he was like, well, what do you want? And I was like, well, I really want something Star Wars Rebels. And you know what would be the best? It's just like a green shirt with that symbol that Kanan has on his armor. And Matt mm. was like, oh, yeah, that would be rad. And then, like, we couldn't find it. I've never seen one like it. So I went, you know what? I'm just going to make it. Um, so I did. And, and it's up on store.thunderquack.com. Um, it's the, the perks of being a graphic designer is that when something doesn't exist, you can kind of just make it. You just create it. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but of course, it also has the Rebels podcast logo on there. Um, so you can do some promotion while you look while you look spiffy. Um, 
uh, store.thunderquack.com to check that stuff out. You can also get, I have the phone case of that same Canaan design, um, and uh, you can get all sorts of stuff. Uh, and if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do that by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack. Uh, we've just actually revamped our Patreon tiers again, um, sort of based on, on some feedback that we got. So, uh, so there are actually, there's a new reward tier for, um, f- uh, uh, that's very, that's Riverdale themed, um, because that show has just started and, and our new show, uh, the Riverdale gang has just started, um, so so we've added that and then curtis is actually uh, doing early releases of the unedited interviews from those comic creators that i was talking about with epic marvel podcast so um so you actually at the five dollar level you'll get that you'll get uh, you'll get early access to those interviews um which is really cool uh and th- there's a couple other little changes over there as well so patreon.com slash thunderquack check it out uh we appreciate everybody who does support us and uh, that's it for this week. Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you guys next week for the episode Through Imperial Eyes. See you next week.